I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face, covering Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 basketball news. Sometimes I don't know, and uh, Pac-12 recruiting news. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio and Twelve Pack Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We are in the midst of our quarterback battles, quarterback battles, quarterback battles uh, series, where we're going through all the quarterbacks uh, of all the Pac-12 schools, and it, it, I'm excited because we are like head deep right now in Pac-12 previews. We just finished our Arizona preview. We have ASU and USC going right now. Rob and Rick, I know you guys are doing research on your three teams. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm ahead of you in all of our research, but I am, you know, and I appreciate it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I understand. You guys got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> no, but like, I'm really excited about this because this is where we really, I think the podcast is going to be much stronger now that we're diving into like the two deeps and like the, the recruiting classes and how they're going to play in. And so just have like, just know that this is like we're starting, man. We're like we're just going 100 miles an hour. You can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio at 12 PAC Radio. Subscribe to the podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, tune in, rate, uh, tune in, play, tune in radio, Spotify, you name it. We're out there. And I am joined as always by the immortal Mr. Rob Bowen. What's going on, Rob? Let's uh, let's talk some QB battles. I mean, the uh, the undecideds of the world, the undecideds of the world. I added a few ones that we talked a little bit about in the last podcast. By the way, if you didn't tune into the last podcast, we covered basically all of the Pac-12 school quarterback positions that are basically settled, um, but wanted to discuss a few other schools like we talked a little bit about Oregon State and a little bit about Washington. So I'm going to add them back in on this one. And we brought in a third person. We're changing it up. Change it up. Mr. Rick DeNice. What's going on, Rick? What's up, guys? We are a little over two months away from the start of college football season. So I am happy to be on because it has been a long, long time. I like it, but I don't like it. I don't like it because like, we got to hurry up all this research now. It's kind of sucks. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. We got deadlines. We got deadlines. When, what? Like we actually get paid for it. Yeah. When people say, <laughs> yeah, I know. exactly. When people say uh, there's only nine Saturdays left, that's when I start sweating because I'm like, oh, two, two and a half months. That's a ton of that's way down the road. But nine Saturdays. Good Lord. Uh, that's pretty nuts. So let's let's start by going through a little bit of news in the Pac-12. I think the really big thing that hit, and we had actually talked about this. Uh, you had your little crystal ball out, Rob, and you had talked about the possibility that a transfer from Washington, a quarterback transfer, because they had the 17 Jakes and they had Colson Yankoff um, and all these people, would finally make their way possibly to another Pac-12 school. And we had talked specifically about UCLA because the, the, Dorian Thompson Robinson. <laughs> um, and lo and behold, uh, Colton Yankoff has committed to UCLA and uh, he won't push for the position this year, but he will certainly push Thompson Robinson in 2020. Yeah, this is this is the first real uh, bearing fruit of the new Pac-12 transfer rules that uh, you no longer have that sort of punishment year in residence in addition to the transfer year. So it used to be that a transferring interconference in the Pac-12 cost you two years. Um, now it's just down to the normal one. So um, this is this is actually I think a good thing for the conference. You know, having USC players transfer to play at Pitt instead of transfer to playing at Oregon State, I think uh, was bad. Uh, in the long run, but USC, UC, I mean, UCLA in this case definitely needed the quarterback depth, uh, you know, for the future and to, to potentially push Dorian Thompson Robinson, um, and also, uh, like provide some backup for him. But the, uh, you know, I, I totally understand leaving, uh, leaving Washington if your name isn't Jake, because you clearly don't fit in, in the QB room. Like I, <laughs> 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 and it's funny because to, 
but there were two quarterbacks that were going to transfer from Washington, two four-star quarterbacks that decided to transfer out, one of which was named Jake. He decided not to leave, and he's back at Washington. That's how they kept. That's how they kept him in. Rick, you know, were were you a Dorian Thompson Robinson fan? I know it's kind of hard. Like you don't want to pile on a true freshman. Well, I I definitely think having those two quarterbacks in that UCLA QB room is is um, a a huge advantage. Um, You know, the recent stuff that's come out about Chip Kelly that I think has left UCLA fans somewhat disconcerted regarding, um, you know, potentially the player relationships uh, with the coach. Um, I obviously, you know, getting somebody like Yankoff um, that, that whatever uh, bad blood currently exists, um, whether or not that's fabricated or um, that's, that's truthful. Um, Yankoff sees this as an opportunity to come in compete right away in a year um, and, and, you know, really take the reins on this program. And, and, you know, at six, four, two Oh nine, I mean, dual threat quarterback. He's a prototypical guy that you want to have at a program like UCLA um, and, and see if he can flourish. And, you know, I think Thompson Robinson, this is going to be a big year for him. And, and I think a big year for Chip Kelly um, to kind of figure out how they can develop him um, into a more efficient passer. And, and, you know, we, we knew that he had, um, you know, legs and, and, you know, he had some escapability there, but I think um, from that passing game standpoint, you know, if they don't open that up and, and, you know, obviously they're not stockpiling, you know, four and five star guys currently, um, you know, they're going to have a, a long, long couple years. So I think this was a big get by, by them to kind of um, reverse some of the bad, um, I guess, press that's been out there, you know, within the last week, uh, week and a half. And um, this is really, I would say almost the biggest pickup in Chip Kelly's uh, tenure at UCLA. Number nine, dual threat quarterback in the class of 2018. He had offers from Oregon, Mississippi, Missouri, or uh, I already said Oregon, <laughs> TCU, Tennessee, Texas Tech, uh, Washington State. So pretty big list of offers. And, you know, let's all calm down about these quotes about Chip Kelly. I just think that, look, when when you have uh, when you when you're able to say whatever you want and without repercussion, I think that there's just always going to be some disgruntled people that are going to be out there, you know, talking. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if that narrative continues as we go along. I would do one counterpoint though. I have to that is it. I'm a huge believer where there's smoke, there's fire. And when you look at the relationships that he hasn't been able to build on the recruiting trail and his staff hasn't been able to build, you know, that's, that's gotta be a little bit disconcerting, especially with the way the UCLA brand is kind of held up through a lot of rough periods, especially under Guerrero, um, you know, being, you know, less than stellar AD. So um, I'm interested to see that. I mean, like I said, this is a big year for UCLA to kind of figure it out and, uh, and, and, you know, potentially be either a launch point or it's a uh, you know press the panic button you know midway through the year type of season rick so. everybody knows that ucla only recruits on holidays it's flag day <laughs> valentine's day that's when they're out on the trail so you gotta cut them some slack here <laughs> uh, um anything else on uh, colson i got his name right Suck on that. Got his name right. Um, it was recruiting week. There was like a gazillion people. I have all these notes. This is of all my notes on Arizona, uh, not Arizona, but back 12 recruits. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there are a couple of them that I, that I want to highlight on the basketball front. Oregon got a pair of transfers. The first is Rutgers former captain, a 6'7", 234-pound, 234-pound forward. He averaged 13.8 points and 7.2 rebounds. And then they got a New Mexico grad transfer in Anthony Mathis, who was also their top scorer, um, averaged 14.4 points a game, two rebounds, two assists, shot from three, uh, 41%, which is fairly good. And just goes to show you, Rob, you leave Dane Altman any space and he's going to snag any, any piece. Like he's the guy going through the you know the, the guy hits the pinata and there's candy you know everywhere like he's the one that's that's fall, finding it after all the kids have come through um, i just love the fact that he's able to put together these classes over and over and over again and like i had some worries about oregon basketball they had a great year last year obviously um but then you get their return to peyton pritchard and uh, an influx of talent uh even though a lot of people had left for the draft and graduated and stuff and here we are again like oregon's gonna have a good team yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, with Pritchard coming back in particular, you like this team. Mathis can really shoot, so that should help with their floor spacing for for the Ducks. Uh, I, yeah, I, I like these additions to a Dana Altman coach team, even though Dana Altman is not my favorite. Bobby Hurley, two year extension at ASU for taking him to the tournament yet again. Um, 
Look, uh, you, you can say all you want about his his off on the field or on the court uh, mannerisms and actions and all that stuff. I do think he's good for the conference, and the fact that he's getting ASU uh, not only to see. It's definitely not like hardcore success in the tournament yet, but the fact that that influx of talent is significantly better than it was under her uh, Sendek. And and Rick, keep in mind, we are on the 12 pack radio podcast right now. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I would say that, you know, playing games don't necessarily count um, in, in, in being the, in the tournament. But that's, uh, you know, that's a partisan opinion, I guess. Um, I You know, you look at what he's been able to do, especially with the recruiting coming in um, in pulling, you know, a, a couple uh, four star guys, some some high, I would say, mid to high three star guys, um, you know, and, and really, you know, he's really captured that program. And I think done a lot with kind of the car that he's been dealt and um, and it's exciting it's it's good to have a solid rivalry in the desert again and it's good that um, you know you've got other programs outside of you know the traditional powers which I would say UCLA um, and Arizona and and you know now you have Oregon kind of coming up um, you know kind of take taking the reins and carrying that for the conference and as we've seen over the past couple of years um, where the Pac-12 has been extraordinarily weak because we've lost a, a ton of talent to the NBA um, I think that that ASU has a, a definitive shot at continuing to kind of move up the scale and, you know, maybe get to that first week and maybe get to that second weekend here in the next three years um, with the way that Hurley has them going. So um, it's exciting. And, and I think it's a really great thing for the conference. A couple more items of note. Oregon State had a nice haul. They had four players commit last week. Uh, the Really, the gem was Travis Shippen, the number three JUCO defensive end in the country. He had offers from Arizona. Oregon and Utah. You had uh, uh, Cody Shear transferred from Oregon over to ASU. ASU had, I think, three or four offensive linemen commits uh, this past week. So shout out to them. And Rob, let, let's let's close with the bang here. Two five star former. Uh, not commits. I guess, yeah, former commits because <laughs> they came from Florida and Texas uh, are now moving over to the uh, University of Southern California. The latest one being five star cornerback Chris Steele and Clay Helton got a lot of crap for not recruiting well this last uh, recruiting class. And actually, if you look at it, I'm doing their preview. I'm going like, oh, my God, where are their secondary players going to come from? Well, here's one right here. Chris Steele, another five star player who adds to the talent that they have that can hopefully step in and contribute immediately. Yeah, he's likely going to have to sit with the transfer. Brew McCoy uh, may have to sit because he uh, because he did enroll at Texas this past uh, this past spring. Um, but Brew McCoy, the the transfer saga has ended. Um, you know, the Tom Herman's adopt by a nice enough gift basket for his visit to try to convince Brew McCoy to come back to Texas, um, and, and he's he's going to come back to USC where he originally started out with in in the spring before going to Texas. So he'll he'll he should I would expect he gets a waiver. It's kind of a weird situation, but he never really played for anyone besides just doing some practice with Texas. Chris Steele, uh, he was actually supposed to be going to Oregon. Um, he has a close relationship with uh, Dante Williams, the uh, Oregon secondary coach. But uh, his he did an interview in the, at the Athletic had a nice write up on this. So if you're an Oregon fan and you're mad at this this kid deciding not to come to Oregon and going to USC, he's actually from LA. Um, he was all set to go to Oregon, and his mother lost her job. Um, so there's some financial hardship, and he wanted to make sure that his mom was still able to watch him uh, play. So instead, he's going to play at USC. But he'll he'll have to sit this season with the transfer rules. So yeah. there's there's still questions uh, at USC. Is is this the Greg Johnson year? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> that by the way I, I forgot i was mixing him up with uh, mccoy but uh yeah it's interesting so i'm really excited to have alicia de artola on in the coming weeks because she really um, did an excellent job breaking down the usc program on another podcast uh, our friends at the quack 12 and hithliday did a really good interview with her so and i, I have so many questions about the secondary to ask her so uh, but i am glad that Steele's going to play uh, in the future with them because they definitely need some more talent because that last recruiting class whoo buddy not not up to the usc standards um but let's get into these quarterback battles here. And Rick, we have we have four teams for you. Maybe five. I can't count. Oregon State, Cal, Washington State, Washington, and ASU. Where would you like to begin? Um, you know, let's start with Washington because I think it boils down um, to one guy and one guy only, but we're still going to discuss. 
So I was really surprised about this, and I had talked with our friends at the Dog Pod because obviously, like Jacob Eason is going to be like the likely starter, the transfer from Georgia, former five star player. I think he came out of the state of Washington, um, came in with some uh, a lot of accolades, but you know, there's a little bit of grumbling out of camp right now. I don't think he's at this, the level that they had anticipated him to be, but likely at a, at a pretty good level. That seems like the reports that I'm reading. But my question was the fact that I thought that Jacob Sermon was going to be the number two behind him. And it seems like Jake, uh, Jake Hayner, who is another Jake uh, and the less touted Jake, he was the number 21 pro style quarterback of 2017, whereas Jake Sermon was the number seven pro style quarterback at a 2018. Um, looks like he's jumped him. And that surprised me a little bit, Rob. I, I was, uh, I was uh, I, I, like, it's funny because I asked our friends at the dog pie, I said, hey, is this true? It does, you know, because it's interesting. And they immediately responded, yes, because you have eyes and you saw the Washington versus Cal game. And yeah. of course, <laughs> the terrible, terrible pick that he threw that cost them the game. That, that whole game was a total mess. I might have stabbed something in my eyes as I was watching it. But I do remember that pick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and Sermon, he, he decided to stay at Washington, but he he and Yankoff out of the the spring quarterback battle were were, were in the transfer portal to leave because they they uh, they have a, tout, a pretty highly touted guy Dylan Morris that just came in as a freshman, and with Hayner and Eason sort of solidified ahead of them on the depth chart, you know, the the, the writing was pretty clear on the wall, um, but Sermon didn't really. I mean, it's there there are a lot more there are a lot more people entering the transfer portal than there necessarily are roster spots available out there. And he, I don't think he was really able to find anything that he was looking for out there. Um, so he's back. Um, Hayner, it, it does look like Eason, all the talk was, um, that Eason was great on the scout team and that he was developing. He had some development to do. I mean, he didn't have a Trevor Lawrence type season in his freshman year at Georgia. Um, you know, his, his stats are a little more comparable to JT Daniels stats at USC last season, I would say as a true freshman. Um, and you can see why Jake Fromm kind of came in and beat him out, but he should have. And I, from all conversations that we've had, you know, from the folks at Washington and what we've heard out of practice is he, he had developed and he, he had taken a step forward. I would still expect Eason to start, but it's been closer than we thought. Yeah, as a true freshman, 204 completions, 370 attempts, 55 percent completion rate, 2,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Your thoughts, Rick? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if you look at this battle, and, and I think you guys pretty much covered it, but, you know, Jacob Eason is the presumed starter um, to kind of fill in and, and you know, take the reins on this. And, you know, it, coming from Georgia, you would expect that SEC experience to, uh, you know, really transfer well to the Pac-12. And I kind of, I you know, obviously he sat out and he, he, he was on scout team and, and kind of got some runs with, you know, some of those guys that were either redshirting or, or you know, very low on the depth chart in terms of, uh, you know, their wide receiver core. And, you know, you look at it over the summer, you know, I think that timing will get better. I think that there's, there's got to be market improvement, um, you know, going from, you know, the scout team to being thrust basically into that first team quarterback position. And, you know, I would look for him to, to make a lot of improvements in that fall camp and, and, um, you know, really step, step up and assert himself with that. Now, you know, when you look at the rest of that roster, as you guys alluded to, there's a lot of talent there and, you know that um, you know whoever ends up being that third, fourth guy down there is probably going to look into that jump in that transfer portal next year. So um, it'll be really fascinating to kind of see um, you know how it plays out and and you know basically whether Hayner or Sermon kind of assert themselves as that number two. Um, and you know obviously the the difference with with both of them uh, from a talent level standpoint or at least from the offers that they garnered is quite a bit. But you know when you get to college and and you know you see how that development at the next level is handled. Um, you know, I think that there there's, it's always a wild card and, and especially with quarterbacks, you just kind of never know what you're going to get. Um, I would say 90% of the time. So yeah. And Dylan Morris, the number five quarterback, of the 2019 class offers from Oregon, Notre Dame. And it's interesting. I keep throwing wazoo in like when Mike Leach like <laughs> says, Hey, I want that guy. I always see that as a good sign. You want those air raid, uh, those air raid coaches kind of picking and choosing who they want on their program. So, uh, quite interesting. Absolutely. And Washington's going to be so stacked for so long like that. 
that program is is on a on a good trajectory. I know they're losing a lot on defense. Uh, that will be uh, definitely a question mark moving and moving forward. But like when you're taking a look at their offensive line and the recruiting classes they just brought in, in addition to their quarterbacks that they have, it's just uh, I think any other program in the Pac-12 aside from maybe Oregon, <laughs> who just just destroyed the recruiting trail this last year, uh, would want to be in their position. Um, all right, where else do you want to go, Rick? Um, let's shoot, uh, across the state to Washington state guys. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week. You'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called the The Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Ah, okay. So it's Gage Gubrud. Gubrud. <laughs> not Gubrud. I looked it up. I, I, I like looked up eight different YouTube versions of him. They all pronounced him incorrectly. So, <laughs> but, uh, so th- this is interesting. Obviously, Washington State loses are are just the hero of this program. The the mustache man himself. Uh, he takes off. And uh, who who did he get drafted by? Was it Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Yep. Oh, yeah. Very excited about that. Um, so we have that, another- that mustache is very North Florida. <laughs> that, is, that is true <laughs> good good call um so garud is a 62205 eastern washington grad transfer i love the fact that he came in to the palouse and beat washington state his freshman year so shouts to him um you know one of those uh, those string of division two schools that came in and uh, just stuck it to washington state you know interesting stats with him his career uh, almost ten thousand yards throwing 64 percent completion 87 touchdowns 32 interceptions, but when you think of Washington State and you think of Mike Leach and you take a look at what this guy did in 2016, um, 387 completions, seven, uh, 67% completion rate, 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and 606 yards on the ground. That is like, I mean, is that good? They, that that's might good, be right? good. That's like, that's like me playing NCAA football. I mean, that's how good it is, really. But <laughs> um, the big, the big problem here, guys, is that Gabrud hurt himself in spring ball and really kind of had to sit out basically uh, the, the, I don't know if it was the, f- I don't know if he did it immediately, but at least half of spring he was out. And that allowed somebody like Anthony Gordon and Trey Tinsley, these two redshirt seniors, to at least show what they can do. And if you take what Mike Leach says, and I never take what Mike Leach says as full truth, um, they both were really pushing. Um, uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Who, who is our hero? <laughs> What's his name? Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Oh, my gosh. I like totally yeah. a total brain fart there. Um, he said that they were pushing Gardner Minshew. Um, last year. I don't know if that's the case, but this is just an interesting scenario. I still think it's going to be Gabrud, but what do you think here, Rob? I, so Gabrud is, is interesting because he had a huge 2016, huge. I mean, that's 67% completion percentage, you know, 48 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 2017 and 2018, he came back to earth. I mean, closer to 62% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions in 2017. He got hurt in, in 2018 as well. Um, but it, it wasn't quite the same season. I, I I think people still sort of assume it's going to be Gabrud. I, I, Anthony Gordon had himself a heck of a spring game and had himself a heck of a spring overall. Um, he separated himself a bit from Tinsley. Uh, if Gabrud is going to like, if he's, if he is not the guy, I think it's Anthony Gordon at this point, but I think Gordon positioned himself that like, if, if people think highly enough of Gabrud and, and he shows up in, in uh, the fall camp, it's going to be him versus Gordon. Rick, your thoughts on Mike Leach. And he always, he always like, you know, he probably won't tell you until like a week before the season starts and all that stuff. But um, I think he has some good options here. Plus, he has somebody like Gunnar Cruz, who certainly isn't going to play this year. But number twenty-six pro style quarterback, uh, it seems like people really like him. And then you have somebody like Cameron Cooper, who was a top ten quarterback of twenty eighteen, who had offers from like Georgia and Tennessee and ASU and Ole Miss and all these programs. So, uh, kind of a good spot to be in, right? 
Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, I think you look at Mike Leach and, and we kind of, we knew who Mike Leach was uh, even back in his Texas tech days and what he did with that program. But I think, um, last year was a whole new level. And in terms of what he did with Gardner Minshew and making him, um, you know, a quarterback that could not only read the field, but was accurate when, you know, he not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily that type of quarterback, uh, throughout his earlier in his career. So, um, you know, you can't ever count a Mike Leach offense and a Mike Leach quarterback out. And I think that he's got some great options. I mean, you've got a lot of seniority here um, and there's a lot to be, um, I guess, optimistic about. I guess my main concern is if you have Gabrud go ahead, going ahead and, and winning out, then you've got basically two redshirt seniors that don't necessarily have a ton of experience behind him. Um, and that would be a little bit concerning for me if I was Washington State um, based on the fact that, you know, you, you have a tendency to sometimes lose quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day in that spread, they should be they should hopefully be fine. I would say that um, something to kind of keep an eye on in, in terms of looking at this particular um, you know, group of five quarterbacks is, uh, you know, Gunnar Cruz, as you alluded to, I think is going to kind of be that future prospect for them. Um, they they were also hunting, you know, a couple big name quarterbacks um, that that actually um ended up, you know, committing elsewhere for 2019. Um, and so there's kind of a gap there and in 2020, they got to kind of backfill that. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, um, to kind of grow up Gunner Gunnar Cruz and Cameron Cooper to uh, get ready to start next year, but he's got some good quarterbacks that came in, um, and, uh, should be pretty interesting to see how they, uh, you know, kind of transform that offense, um, and, and see if they miss a step early on, or if they kind of just carry over the uh, success that they had last year. Hey, you made a good point on the experience with the red shirts seniors and stuff i mean obviously they've been in the program for a long time the one thing uh to keep in mind is that mike leach really trusts his quarterbacks like he does that thing where he just points his, to his head which is uh, the equivalent of saying like i don't know do whatever you want like it's fine <laughs> which is really crazy uh for a coach to do so um he does put a lot of, of trust and weight into the quarterbacks that he puts out there and these guys really haven't seen the field but um it'll be interesting to see but i i, I do think rob like you mentioned uh, Anthony Gordon had a really solid spring. It wasn't just a spring game, but like that whole spring, he was able to separate himself from Trey Tinsley and it seemed like they were stapled at the hip last year. So it's nice to kind of see things shake out. Uh, anything else, Rob on Washington state and where do you want to go after this? No, as, as long, as long as they can find the check down, Washington state will be fine. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the secret to the air raid, find the check down, especially if it's Max Borgie. <laughs> uh, who do you, so we got Cal, Oregon state and ASU. Should we, should we argue about Devin monster now or later? Let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's do it Let's now. Do it now. No, I don't want to end with a bang. <laughs> the cheese it, cheese it bowl battle. Let's do <laughs> the it. cheese it man himself. Um, look, I think Ross Bowers is going to come back and take the job. No, I'm just kidding. He transferred to like Northern Illinois. Uh, <laughs> so, so okay, hold it. I, Let's let's make Rick the uh, the arbiter or the arbiter the the, the man that that is looking over case, the judge Judy the moderator <laughs> the judge Judy <laughs> <laughs> the judge Judy of this podcast good call okay so um Devon Modster transfer from UCLA six two two fifteen hear me out Rick um, yes okay whatever fifty one completions seventy nine attempts he threw for sixty four percent completion rate six hundred seventy one yards uh four touchdowns zero interceptions I get it I get it but Rob did you watch him play against Kansas State in whatever god awful bowl they were in like did you did you physically with your eyeballs watch Devon Monster play football yes I did I watched that football game. It was terrible. Like it was off. Like I bet that was the biggest bet I had made all year. Oh, Josh Rosen isn't quarterback. <laughs> like put the money. I didn't even care who's playing for that. Like you know, the, the, it's probably all junior college players from like Idaho that were on that that Kansas State team. Um, but I just I just didn't trust the offense with with Monster, and I just don't think he's going to take this job from Chase Garbers. I know that they brought him on so that they that he can challenge him, but I just think I don't know. I think Garbers certainly wasn't great. He made a lot of mistakes, but I, I think that the offense slows down with Modster too. And, and again, Cal's in that situation where you have bull Baldwin as your offensive coordinator and you have two quarterbacks that are going to make mistakes. Okay. First off, 
In that game, I would just like to point out that Devin Monster was not the problem. In that game that you specifically cited, Monster went 21 of 34 for 295 with two touchdowns and no interceptions. <laughs> the problem in that game was that uh, Bolo Olo Rufunmi, he of the he of the name, <laughs> uh, went for he was the leading rusher for UCLA in that game. He had 23 yards on 12 carries. Like the problem was not monster in that game. Uh, um, so he clearly did not jive with uh, Chip Kelly in Westwood um, and uh, transferred to Cal. I, uh, I, I like, I mean, I monsters, a big guy, big arm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he obviously was a bit of a step down from Josh Rosen, but I don't think that that's too hard of a knock on a lot of people, uh, as a quarterback in this league. So I, I, I like monster. I don't, and the other part of it is, is I mean, was, was, was Garber's that good last season? I mean, of course not. This is one of the worst offenses in college football last season. So, uh, I, I, I at this point, like Garber's may win the job out. Like, I think this Cal offense is going to be bad enough that you're going to see quarterback rotation like they did last year. I mean, they played Brandon McElwain, who was a turnover machine quite a bit last year. I mean, like, so like I, I, Monster will have a shot, I think, to come in and win the job. I, I think I think he's got enough talent and, and he's a smart enough quarterback, you know, with that completion percentage and, you know, the, the low interstate, you know, the no interceptions. I, I, I'd have faith in him to, to beat out Garbers. So, Rick, before before you jump in. I, I just so I read this article on Pacific Takes that was basically like quarterback battles, like what are they going to be? And it was before and after, right? It was you know sometime in February and then in May or something. And the one in February had listed Brandon McIlwain as you know should get a decent amount of playing time. Like <laughs> they're going to have to change that soon. <laughs> and he's not he's not on the roster anymore. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what do you man. think? I don't, you know, you look at this Cal quarterback battle and it's one of the most volatile in the Pac 12 this year. And, you know, either one of these guys goes down. I mean, it is a severely, severely one dimensional offense. And, and I, you know, I look at Patrick Laird and everything that he gave Cal last year. And, and I mean, you're talking about a 1500 um, yard back um, two years that, ago. That, Two years, two ago. years. Sorry, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, that, but but still, you know, he had he had a solid season, um, you know, last year as well, and cut, covered up some of their deficiencies. And you know, when you got a stable of, of four backs now, that you're you're really kind of feeling out how that's going to go. And you know, I think that offensive line is still fairly good, but um, you know, you have to you have to have these guys make solid reads. And one thing that you could see with Chase Garbers last year is when he gets back in the pocket and he takes three or four seconds. Um, after that point in time, he makes the worst reads on the face of the <laughs> earth and then and inevitably finds a, a defensive secondary um, or a linebacking core to throw it to. And and, you know, you, you would think with Bo Baldwin being there, he would, you know, have brought these guys along a little bit more than they are. But, man, they just still make a ton of bad mistakes. And, and you know, Cal fans, you know, it, it could get really ugly if, if, you know, you end up having one of these guys go down and the other has to kind of lead the ship. And I do agree with you guys. I think it's going to be quarterback by committee. I think they're going to have to figure out who has the hot hand and, and then kind of go, go from there. But, you know, luckily that defense, um, you know, while they've lost some guys, you know, still should be, should be pretty good. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, they can keep them in those games, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. I think chase Garbers gets the start, um, but I would, I would estimate that he's probably got a quick hook and they throw Devin monster in there if they need to uh, pretty quickly. Monster is the winner. I'm the winner. (laughs) Uh, well let's go from oregon state to let's go to asu and close with the best quarterback in the history of man at oregon state mr jake luton um asu has a really compelling arc uh and like story arc in regards to what they can be this year um so i'm doing the asu preview and i really like a lot of the pieces i think the defense is going to be better and i realize they lose some pieces but um whether it's merlin uh, robertson or uh just some of the defensive linemen that they have that actually can fill in for somebody like rendell uh i think it was randall wren uh who 
had all the physical tools, but just didn't put it together. There was that one game against Michigan State where he like threw the guy back six feet, which was one of my favorite plays of the Pac-12 season last year. But that those moments weren't as um, often as a lot of ASU fans would have liked. Um, I think that the secondary comes together a little bit more. I like uh, Brandon Ayuk, and I like the obviously they have an awesome running back, Anito Benjamin. It really comes down to the quarterback, and Dylan Sterling Cole does not sound from any any interview I've heard from this coaching staff or the previous coaching staff to be the guy at ASU. The problem is that really they're going to have to rely on somebody like Jaden Daniels, who is an awesome recruit. He's one of the best recruits I think ASU has ever had a quarterback. Um, three, uh, six, three, one eighty four star. He's a dual threat quarterback. Um, the number two dual threat quarterback in the country. It offers from Alabama and Ohio state and Georgia and Oregon and like basically everybody in division one football. Um, but that's still a lot of pressure to put on a kid, uh, as a true freshman at ASU. And I just don't know Rob where this quarterback battle goes because, um, Cole has been there for, I mean, he's a redshirt junior. He's, he's seen the playbook and it just doesn't seem like the coaches trust him, but do you put the reins of a pro like this is kind of a big season for Herb and his his coaching staff. You know, for all of the accolades that they got last year, they were only seven. I think they were seven and five is how they finished the season. And uh, if they give it to Daniels, it might be worse than that this year, even though the rest of the team is good. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Daniels wins it out. Um, I think he's got a he's got a lot of talent. I watched um, I watched the Arizona State spring game. Uh, and Sterling Cole seemed to have the best command of things. Daniels had some standout moments. He also had some big mistakes. Um, Joey Yellen and Ethan Long each had, each had their moments. I mean, Long certainly has a cannon of an arm. Uh, but I, 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 I still think that Sterling Cole probably wins it. You know, and 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 Jaden Daniels comes in. I mean, the other part about Daniels is he only weighs 180 pounds. Uh, I don't think that this offensive line was really good at, at run blocking last season. They were not great at pass blocking. And if if Daniels hangs in there like Manny Wilkinson and takes shots, he's not gonna he's not gonna make it through a season at that weight. Uh, so I I could see I could see them handing it off to Sterling Cole and bringing in Daniels as a change of pace. I, I just I I think at this point with what the Devils have coming in and progression wise that they're expecting on the defense. You have some decent pieces there with Kyle Williams and Ayuk, uh, a receiver, you know, Benjamin's back. A lot of the lines back like this, this is a season that to, to hope to make a little hay. So I, I'd be surprised if they turned it over to one of the true freshmen. Rick does Joey Yellen step in quarterback from Michigan Vieja high school. Go Diablos come in three star <laughs> 22 quarterback in the 2019 class. Offers from Georgia. He's still stuck with ASU. Does he come in and steal the job? <laughs> <laughs> what a lead up. Awesome. Um, guys, I, you know, it's funny. So, so I love Herm Edwards for a variety of things, but um, he actually had a quote that, that basically was in the Arizona central uh, newspaper when they finished up, which said, quote unquote, said, I do not like Dylan Sterling Cole. That's what he said. Right? No, <laughs> no, actually it was even better. He goes, you see some bright spots. Then you see some, Oh no. And I think that kind of sums up this group, at least from what I've read and the research that I was doing. And, you know, you, you, you'd have to bank on Dylan Sterling Cole starting out when they, uh, they open up their season. Um, and you know, they're, they're playing Kent state to start out with. So I think that's kind of that middle ground game where you go, okay, if he has a decent stat line, you kind of run with this guy and play it game to game. But you know, the two kids behind him are, are very talented, had great, great offer sheets and, you know, it's kind of one of those things I think ASU is going to have to decide, which is can Dylan Sterling Cole be this guy for the next two years, or do we take our lumps this year and put in Jaden Daniels or Joey Yellen um, and have them kind of, you know, take their lumps, but also learn on the fly um, and see if we can get them to improve so that they're ready to go for next year. I think the other thing that really, you know, for ASU, you know, they've got some decent receivers um, in that core, but losing a big target like in Keel Harry, who was such a big part of that offense offense, um, you know, outside of their, their great running game. Um, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on as well. And, and, you know, if they had some more, um, you know, solidified, uh, I, if they had a more solidified group, um, I think within that, then I would point to the fact that I think Dylan Sterling Cole would be, um, you know, would be, you know, I guess a little bit cushioned, but, um, when you've got such a great running game, um, that should help take some pressure off. And then, you know, you kind of point to the fact that, 
you know, since you have two redshirt freshmen or two true freshmen, excuse me, that, you know, it may just be time to throw those guys in there, let the running game kind of be the workhorse. And then, you know, see if the receivers uh, can, can click with one of those two guys and kind of move forward from there. I'm not as worried about Nikhil Harry. I really liked Brandon. Ayuk, and he came really came through at the end of the year. He, he, I mean, his numbers are fine. 400, you know, 50 yards, three touchdowns, but yeah. Nikhil Harry, like for the talent that he was, and I understand like he should be a number one draft pick. Uh, like he has the body. He's, he was awesome. We really liked watching him play thousand yards, nine touchdowns. So, oh. I mean, I, and when you take a look at the, the players behind him, whether it's like Frank Darby or, um, uh, I forget the kid that got hurt. I'll, I'll come back and look. I think it was the tra- Texas transfer, but they have like three or four other options outside of IUK and IUK has the size as well. So, um, it'll, it, I, there's, no lack of targets at ASU. It's just whether or not anybody can hit them, which if you've been in an offense that, where the quarterback is a mess, it is just so frustrating to, to watch like talent run all over the field and not get the ball. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that they've got some some pluses on this offense, but that's, I mean, I guess that's why I would probably lean towards Sterling Cole winning it. I mean, I think we're all sort of leaning that way, right? It's, it's a little bit of a safer call. I mean, unless... Daniels comes in and really just wows people. And I don't want to just write off, you know, yelling or long, but um, it seems like it's sort of down to like the Daniels has enough flashes versus, you know, and Sterling Cole was, you know, a reasonably reasonably, I I believe he was a four-star recruit out of high school too. Um, He could, I think they go with Sterling Cole and and trust him to distribute the ball. Um, And they probably do a little bit less last season. They had the dominant running game. And then they they took a lot of deep shots. I mean, Manny Manny Wilkins was, you know, often required to sit in the pocket, hold the ball for a while while his receivers got down the field. Um, I would expect them to have a little bit, you know, build in a few more checkdowns, look a little bit less for the big play in the passing game um, than they did last season. You know, all of that could really help Sterling Cole or Jaden Daniels. Yeah, checkdowns, the Gardner Minshew Spesh. Spesh, yeah. dude, right on. Good. Guys, one yeah. one more thing too, just to push back on both of you is that I think in Keel Harry um, drew a lot of double teams, and I think he That's really true. forced a lot of, of defenses to shift towards him, which you know obviously helped out Ayub quite a bit. And so it'll be interesting to see now that you don't have that pressure coming from one guy, um, you know, to to see you know how that impacts those wide receivers where somebody has to step up and kind of be the big dog. So that's the only thing I'm going to push back on a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. That's fair. Um, okay. So let's get to Oregon state and Jake Luton, who is the most beautiful man alive. Uh, yes. six, seven, <laughs> two thirty. Richard senior, uh, <laughs> Mike Riley's gets fired from Nebraska. He, he serves as a, and I'm doing air quotes right now, offensive analyst for Oregon state, AKA, I'm going to bring all of the players I recruited in Nebraska over to Oregon state for you. And Oh, by the way, you should run the ball more. Um, that's pretty much the role that he probably played. Um, so they go behind Jake Luton's back, a man that has given them his spine for the love of God. This is a guy that has laid it all out in the field. One of the most entertaining quarterbacks in the country. They get Tristan Jebbia, who was a Nebraska transfer, lost his job to Adrian Martinez. He was the number 12 pro style quarterback of 2017, and he's going to come in and think that he's going to take this job from Jake Luton. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Jake Luton has this. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, the, the conversation right now is that Luton's nailed it down in spring. Um, Gebby is a guy. I mean, Mike Luton, speaking of Mike Riley, they just got a punter that transferred from Nebraska this past week at Oregon State. So literally, like literally Nebraska everyone. is pissed. Like, that's an actual storyline where they are basically saying, hey, like, you taking all of our players. That's kind of illegal. But uh, I guess it's legal. I mean, Mike Riley thought he was a nice guy, Rob. I guess not. Well, I'm, I'm actually like, I, I think. Did, I think Nebraska may have like said that uh, accused Oregon State of tampering. Mike Riley is like like the a local celebrity in Corvallis. Like he used to ride his bike to and from work. Um, yeah, I, I I I think it's Luton at this point. Gebby is I think is going to sit uh, behind him uh, from everything we've heard. Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if it's not Luton. And, and Luton's a fun. He's a lot of fun. You know, big arm. Um, this I mean, this offense made tremendous progress under Smith last season. And whoever it is, they're going to have Jamar Jefferson to rely on. Um, you know, and, and and a stout running game. So I I 
I, I, I like I like Luton coming back a lot, and he'll he'll have some fun interceptions to go with this touchdown. <laughs> Sixteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns, four interceptions in eight games. Um, I just like I think it was the Nevada game where I forget who was throwing the ball around, and then Luton came in, and I just I literally like turned off all of the other channels I was watching. Like Jake Luton is going to take this team to the promised land. Like I, I think he's so fun to watch. And when you, when you partner him, like you mentioned Rob with Jamar Jefferson, like that, that could be a really, really fun offense. The defense could be a total mess, um, but offensively they could really move the ball around. Uh, you know, Rick, are you as, as big of a Luton fan as we are? Or what do you think? You know, I think for me, you know, just be, even though we live up here, I don't see a ton of Oregon State games because there's really not a reason to. Sorry, Oregon State fans. But um, that game against Ohio State where they were just throwing the ball all over the field um, and and, you know, he he did fairly well that first half, um, you know, against that defense. Um, I, you know, I, I was really impressed. And, and, you know, there's there's absolutely no reason why you're not going to take basically a six year guy and start him, um, especially when in combination with that running game that I think is going to be pretty explosive, explosive as well. So there should be a lot to be optimistic about. I think if you're a Beavs fan and, and, you know, honestly, if Gebbia gets in there, um, Gebbia, uh, gets in there, I think that there's an opportunity for him to grow and evolve and be the guy moving into next year. Um, when, uh, you know, and see if, uh, Adrian, uh, Willard is going to, uh, you know, kind of challenge him as well. So I'd be interested to see how it plays out, but, um, you know, I think for duck fans, where you know there there's hope to find optimism i think this is the year that you kind of find some optimism and go you know we could pick up a couple games where um you know we have you know jake luton at the helm um and you know allow a running game to kind of open up you know some of those uh you know those you know that offense that they're looking for so all right anything else that we should mention oregon state Jefferson wasn't the starter at the beginning of last season. It was Artivis Pierce who got hurt, and he's back. So they have a great one-two punch too. So Luton, Luton's uh, not going to have to carry much of the load like this this season. Nice, yeah, that that'll be really exciting. I hope he does though. I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the Rogers brothers reincarnated, then, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh, quiz. <laughs> yeah, quiz. All right, I'm in. James Rogers, very underrated. James Rogers, he was fun yes, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Okay, we're going to try to get press credentials to uh, Pac-12 Media Day. So that that just, you know, keep that in mind. That that may or may not happen. We're not sure we're not certain yet, but um, my entire our entire just so you all know, our entire goal at Pac-12 Media Day will be to get a Herm Edwards interview. Like there will be like that like I don't care if I have to follow Herm Edwards around as his 6 foot 7 shadow or 6 6 shadow, like I will do it. Like that's <laughs> If we don't, yeah, if we don't get credentials, I'm just going to drink in the bar and Rob's going to yell in a bullhorn, like, please come over here, Michael Leach. It'd be really important for you to do that right now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm showing up with printed out charts. That's what I'm doing. Like, come talk, come talk charts. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, here is, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm excited. I, I want to ask him about the Loch Ness monster. Like what were his, what were the responses to his Loch Ness monster uh, tweet? You know, there's just, uh, important, <laughs> the important mysteries of the Pac-12. Hey, be, before we go. I forgot to to do the questions. So we had two questions. Um, so I'm going to throw this in at the end. Um, oh, gosh. Make I, sure you cut. You need to edit this. Is We oh. pretty much threw everybody under the bus. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. This leave, is a leave in the, one. <laughs> leave in the part where I said those about it. <laughs> because i want to send a message this is 12 pack after dark um okay so so this question is from utah man in the atl um he said i would like a rant on the ncaa inconsistent waiver system on this season's quarterback transfer carousel that would be sweet i do love me a good rant so rob i feel like this is right up your alley in regards to um like well i mean not just the race but like in terms of protocol and like what uh obviously the transfer portal like in the NCAA has been really inconsistent and I know that Utah I think was getting a Texas transfer is that what that we were talking about yeah so they they landed Cam Rising which was sort of their replacement for Jack Tuttle who was their big four-star recruit that they landed that decided to transfer out uh and go to Indiana and I believe got a waiver to play immediately at Indiana um there have been other big transfers um Tate Martell's transfer to Miami um Oh God, I forget. I live in Columbus, Ohio. The big quarterback. Oh, uh, Josh Fields from Georgia transferring to Ohio state. Um, and all these guys got waivers. 
Cam Rising didn't. Now, I mean, I think it's a little like his his waiver was essentially on that Utah offered a major that Texas didn't, and it was you. It feels. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels a little, it feels a little flimsy. Like, oh, Utah offers it. Like, you, you really want it. You transferred to Utah because you wanted to be a criminology major or something along those lines. Um, sure, but he was. He also part of his waiver, you know, was that he wanted to be closer to his family, which is in California. But Utah's still a bit of a ways from California. Um, I, I, th- I, I do think that there's. It's totally valid because some of these other ones are, are pretty thin. Like Tuttle's transfer to Indiana getting approved seems pretty flimsy. Um, I, I don't think that the NCAA has quite figured out how to um, make this make this really sort of across like an across the board standard. Um, it feels like there's about uh, there's about six or seven people who don't work in the same department who are approving these and aren't aren't applying the same standard. Uh, and it does certainly feel. It does actually certainly feel that they may have looked at Utah's depth chart on this and decided that Utah didn't need to have camerizing available this season. So um, I feel like that's a little bit ridiculous because if if there is one bright spot here, Utah fans, you don't necessarily, I mean, I hope you don't need camerizing this season because you have Huntley and Shelley there. Um, But, you know, it's always nice to have a third insurance package. So you're, Utah fans are absolutely right to be mad, um, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a lot of time being mad given who you have in front of them this season. The the NCAA reminds me of uh, like did you ever see the movie Knocked Up? Yeah, where yes. um, I forget that I think it's ever, didn't everyone oh, already such a good movie. It was like one of the best movies. <laughs> like any movie that basically opens up with a little kid saying, "I googled murder today." <laughs> it's so good. It's like ah, I'm gonna love this movie. Um, but like, so Catherine, I think it's Heigl had like hid her pregnancy, um, and then she goes into the um, the office of her work, and where the guy's like telling her to tighten up. You're like, just tighten it up a little bit. But the, the uh, I think it's Kirsten Wig, the girl next door, that's like, I don't like secrets. I don't like any secrets <laughs> like that reminds me of the NCA where it's like it's cool but just don't like we don't like secrets please 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 be very truthful with us all of the time uh, so I'm wondering if that was the case I don't know I, I think I think hell is going to freeze over the uh, day when NCA and consistency is in the same sentence so <laughs> I mean true. if you guys are waiting on that it's going to be a long long time <laughs> um, okay last question is from El Guapo who uh so i said all right send us questions and he just sends justin herbert is an honor roll mention dot 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 so i don't know if that means that he's an like it's bad that he's an honorable mention it's good that he's an honorable mention i think he's probably i think it's probably fine that he's an honorable mention i, I thought he was fairly disappointing last year he, he had a good year um but he didn't have like that breakout year that i think a lot of people were um anticipating but i'm wondering if he was an honorable mention for like all pack 12 i be- i also believe el guapo is a washington fan oh, oh. <laughs> well that's a, that, now so, we know the motive yeah <laughs> uh, i i do i do recollect uh well yeah i mean of course he's an honorable mention i mean you have oh costello me, and gardner Minshew, yeah like right like i mean you have Gar- if if gardner Minshew wasn't first team like <sighs> Are you kidding me? And then Costello had a monster year last year. So um, I'm already I am already on the record as saying I would take KJ Costello in college over uh, Justin Herbert for what Justin Herbert has shown so far. So, uh, he, yeah, he wasn't even listed as honorable mention. No. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Hey, shouts to you, El Guapo. I hope you're a Washington fan. If you're an Oregon fan, I apologize. But it's no, he's not. He's a Washington fan. We have. We have I'm pretty sure I have that one nailed down from my time running the 12 pack Twitter. I like, Uh, I like our listeners. That's good. That's, that's good shade, man. That's awesome. 